Jakob Ingebrigtsen is going to do in the 1500. He has time to look behind him. 20 years of age, and he is on top of the world. But coming down for a maiden national crowd, Cornwall is the champion. Garouz has won his race, or has he? Has he got anything left? El Garouz trying to get there. Kipchoge, the junior, is there. El Garouz is trying to get to the line. Kenya wins it. Kipchoge takes Vivian Chariot's turn. And what a proud moment for her and the Kenyans. The first woman from her nation to take the 5,000 metre title. Vivian Chariot's in Greenland. On the outside, Ollie Hall of Australia comes. Jake Whiteman has just spent. It's going to be Chariot and Hall. Who's going to get it? It's going to be Australia! The gold! Before we get into it, a quick word from the sponsor of this episode. Stability has never felt better than with the ASICS Gel Keanu 30 shoe. Updated with a 4D guidance system for support right when you need it, Pure Gel technology for softer landings every time, and FF Blast Plus Eco Cushioning for an even more comfortable ride. Jimmy, lovely to have you on Runners Tribe. You've just got back from Europe. How are you feeling? Hi Sam, yeah, great to great to be back on Runners Tribe. It's been a been a while since we caught up. Um, yeah, feeling pretty good, getting back into the flow of just life over here and getting over jet lag. I think I was telling you that story before that um I fell asleep in in Barbie on Saturday night. Um, sat at eight o'clock eight o'clock at night, so I was a bit past the bedtime. So, but you still were loving it a bit, but we're getting there. You were loving it before you fell asleep, though. Hey. I was loving it, yeah. It made me look, like I said, it made me look macho falling asleep in Barbie, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was, I was actually enjoying it. So you had, had to get back there and, um, you know, see it again, you know? Yeah, I will. I will. So get, and, my, pink, get my pink shirt out. <laughs> it's been uh, a, pretty, a pretty sweet 2023 for you so far. You've set PBs over 1,500 mile, 3,000, 5,000, 10K road. I maybe missed one or two there, but, and I assume you would have set PBs in all the other events if you actually kind of raced them, right? So um, you must be pretty stoked. I mean, I know I know you probably wanted more, um, but you, you've got to be pretty happy with the year, right? Yeah, I think I probably haven't reflected on the whole year yet. So hearing it like that, it's, it's really positive in terms of, yeah, there's been huge progression, especially over 10K and the longer stuff this year, which I guess that's that's where you've got to be as a distance runner these days, aerobically. So, yeah, like really happy with the progress and um, I guess just trying to enjoy that process of getting better year on year as you get older. You're, you never know when it's going to be the last year that you start seeing those improvements. So I think just enjoying hanging on to that while it's, while it's still coming and enjoying the process. So it's been really, really good and really positive in that respect. How old are you now? Now, twenty nine, oh. Sammy. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, how old was Nick Rillis when he was punching out, you know, major championship medals? His late thirties, I think. So yeah, no, it's, it's it is interesting. Like, I think when I was younger, I was thinking I might get to twenty six and call it, but going a lot further. But it's interesting. I feel like I keep getting better, and I feel like. There's a lot of room for improvement. I've still got that excitement around, so I think that that keeps you going. The, the you know the age stuff. It's interesting. Like you got um, obviously Cam Myers, who's kind of a fair bit younger, and 
And I guess it makes, I remember guy, you know, guys 29, it's not old for a middle distance distance runner at all. Um, but then you look at guys like Cam and it, I guess it makes you feel old in, when you're comparison, comparing yourself to that. But, oh yeah, you know, there's still many good years left, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Like it is interesting at the moment because it feels like the younger guys are getting younger at being better at a younger age, but then also the older guys are able to hold on a lot longer in this day and age. So it is it is an interesting phase in athletics, I guess, where you've got those those massive gaps. Um, but yeah, it's... It is. It's cool. It's cool to be in a sport where you can, I guess, keep progressing, and I guess the aerobic side of things that just keeps getting better and better. So it makes the options a lot wider as well with what you can do. So, what you touched on just before, um, in saying that um, you know strength and distance and endurance are so key these days. Like I was chatting to a mate this morning on a run, how you know there's very few kind of pure eight eight hundred slash fifteen hundred runners that kind of race both a lot. You know, like it seems that all the best 1500 runners have kind of raced 5,000 more than 800. Is that, is that kind of how you see it? I think like, I guess I think the sport's probably moving more towards that way. And it's been that way. I'd say probably for the last six to eight years, it's been moving more that way. I guess seeing Josh Kerr upset Jakob on the weekend, he's his rate. Like he's obviously very good at 800 as well. And probably he's got that strength more so leaning to that way than the 5k. So there's definitely, definitely advantages to that as well. I guess Jake Whiteman's the same. So it might be the way yeah. to actually beat Jacobs being stronger that way. Yeah. Whiteman's but, a one yeah I think, guy, I think, isn't he? Yeah. And what's Kerr's Kerr like 145 or. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Let me look. Um, yeah. I know Whiteman's definitely 144. So it's, um, you know, I've, yeah. Yeah. You know, Definitely, it can't help, but it's definitely you just look at most of these guys, even like Hikam El Garouge, you know, 20 years ago and 15 years ago and whatnot. I guess he was more of a 15, 5K guy, wasn't he? So, yeah, and I think it's always, I mean, in terms of maturing as an athlete, it's always a lot easier to put more work in and to train harder than to 800. Obviously, it does, it requires a lot of that as well. But then there's, I think there's a lot of natural ability, a lot of speed, and it's a very different very different training approach, I guess you'd say, going the 800, whereas the 15, 5K, you just progressively end up seeming to move more that way than being an 800. So, yeah, it is it is interesting how training's changing and then also double threshold, all that stuff, I think, more, more and more. So it's going more yeah. to how much more aerobic stuff can we fit in and you can still be good at 1500 yeah. doing ridiculous like marathon sessions. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'll get, I'm going to get to that a bit later and just pick your brain a bit on that. But everyone loves that sort of shit, you know, talking about double thresholds and stuff. So we'll, we'll get back to that. But your Europe trip, your trip, you raced a lot, right? Like four 1500s, I think. Um, correct me, man, if I make a mistake, but I think it's like four 1500s. And I think you ran sub uh, 340 in all of them. Um, and you punched out a PB of uh, 337.55. So it's obviously, you know, you, I know you want to run quicker over 1500, um, but, you know, how do you see that? And, you know, 337.55, are you happy with it? Um, what do you, you know, what do you take away from that European trip? Yeah, so um, I actually ran five 1500s and I went over with the intention that I wasn't going to race many 1500s. So I definitely over raced in the end. One of the challenges with going to Europe is just getting into the right race. And there was a lot of times, my first race, and so my first race was in Finland, 
1500. I've just come off running 2820 in the 10k, ran the 1500, and I was felt so good in terms of didn't feel like I was going lactic. I just was lacking that racing. So all of a sudden, my mindset's like, if I can get a good race here and actually get myself into race, get race fit, my fifth, I think I'm going to blow away my 1500 PB. So I ended up did that race in Finland, ended up like 12 o'clock at night, just emailing the meet director for a race that was on the Saturday in Belgium because it was close by and I knew it was going to be a good race. Race that, ran point, point oh, I think 0.05 off my PB in that race. Um, and then from there I was like, and I felt great in the race, but from then on I was in the mindset that I just want to blast my PB. And big thing I learned, it's like you get in these races, I was – I was competitive in all the races. Like I wasn't getting blown away in any of them, but um, I was racing guys and our race would be, you know, you're on a six lane track You at the start, haven't raced for a while. I was getting pushed behind, you know, come up, coming up really well, finishing the race really well and beating guys that had run 333, 334 a couple of weeks before, but they're only finishing that race 338, 339. So I didn't really feel like I got the race that represented where I was at, but also, I don't think that's that's an excuse either because, I mean, if you're good enough, you can do it in any race. But it it is it is challenging in Europe because at the same time, I think sometimes if you just get on the right train, get on the right race, yeah. you can – right conditions. Um, it's, it's just so much more to it, I guess, than just being in good shape and being ready to go on the day. So that was a big takeaway. Is anyone like, I know you just said that you emailed that particular race director the night before, whatever, but is anyone helping you get into, you know, some of the other races or is it mainly just, is it mainly you managing all that yourself? Yeah. So I, normally I wouldn't message, normally I wouldn't do that. So I work with Sean Whip. Yeah. Um, so he's the one, we'll talk about races before the season. He's the one that'll get me into races. He's pretty good with, like, if there's races that I, because I've because I've been and travelled overseas before, there's certain races where you you basically just enter, or they're not hard to do. That one was one that you just enter yourself, but it, entries had closed, and I wanted to do it. So, but ideally, like he's been brilliant for me, getting me races, but being prepared in advance because it's a huge thing when you go when you go overseas. I've been over before, and I just haven't. I guess I've gone over with the approach that I'm going to get into these big races, and the issue with some of these bigger races is yeah don't find out whether you're in until sometimes a few days before especially when you're on the on the cusp um so it's times when i was overseas and you you're basically you're doing a session two days out you don't know whether you should be doing a tapering session or whether you should blast yourself because it might be four days later that you're racing again so yeah i guess having sean whip work with me this year just helped me to have a bit more of a racing schedule and have stuff locked down so i could get everything together, training and. Nice. Does Sean look after um, a kind of a bunch of athletes from Team Tempo? Uh, in terms of team, I don't, don't, I can't think for Team Tempo. Um, like I, like he doesn't look after Clarkie, um, but yeah, I don't think so Team Tempo, but lots of, lots of athletes around Australia he looks after and also New Zealand. I think he's got the high jumper. We does have the high jumper, the fly, Hamish Kerr. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, quite a few other really good athletes. So he's awesome. he's really built his group yeah, of athletes out. And 
great that there's another option out there for you know athletes in Australia to reach out to. You know, um, in in terms of you know, I, I was thinking like if I woke up one day and you're in Europe and I saw that you posted a three thirty three or three oh nine or thirteen oh nine over five k, neither would shock me, right? Like you're kind of knocking on the door and you're just looking for that breakthrough run. Um, where do you see it happening in life? I know that's probably a pretty hard question. You can't really answer it, but 1,500 yeah. or 5K or 5,000, where, where do you see that potential to really knock off a huge chunk and then start making major teams? So hard to say. Like I'm right in the middle right now for both of them. I'd say I'm a better 1,500-meter runner. But then when you say about in terms of knocking on the doors for teams, 5K is more, more realistic for me right now with what the guys are bren and i also think 5k is where i've got a lot more room to grow as an athlete in terms of the aerobic stuff and you know as i, as I saw overseas i think my 1500 is gonna keep improving with that with that type of training as well so it's basically i see myself making teams on 5k and longer stuff um but then i still I still have unfinished business with the 1500. Like I think if I could walk away with a 333, 334, I'd walk away happy and I'd be satisfied. But right now sitting with a 337, I just, I feel like in the, I've been in much better shape than what that reflects. And um, yeah, I think if I finish with that, I won't be, I won't be satisfied in that event, but yeah, that we'll just have to see where that goes. A mate was telling me that um, he, I think he saw on social media maybe that your entire trip was funded by friends and family. So is that, did you do like a GoFundMe thing or did you just, or did you just have some very, very generous good friends? I uh, did a Australian Sports Foundation page. Okay. So there's, I don't know if you've heard about that at all, but it's basically for athletes. It's really handy for other athletes out there, but all the deductions are tax deductible for people that donate. So I just put it out there, um, didn't really know what would come of it. And yeah, I had some incredibly generous friends and family that put a lot of money into that and basically basically funded my whole whole trip. And I mean, you look at a trip like that's 12 to 15 grand at least, so probably more. Um, so it's a lot, like it's a lot of money. It's a big commitment going overseas and doing that. So um yeah, like very blessed, I guess, just to have that, have that support and that belief here. And, you know, it's huge. Like I think being in Tassie, it's, it's very like close and connected and just so many people that have that belief in you and, you know, just putting their own money. It, it definitely motivates you when you go over there oh, man, to do it's stuff, awesome. it's do awesome, stuff man. like that. And I probably, Possibly couldn't do it without it, you know. I probably that's not in awesome. a position right now to 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 go for that period of time. So yeah, oh, that's awesome, mate. It's great, it's great to hear. Like, you know, you're one of those guys. Everyone's everyone wants to see have that you know breakthrough run and make the Olympics. So, um, you know, you're a lot of supporters. Makes sense, you know. Uh, the, oh, thanks, Sonny. I nearly did a double take when I saw your road 10k PB. I was doing some research a few hours back and. I saw 2820 on the screen. I was like, holy shit, man, is that is that real? And then <laughs> I did a Lorne, I'm like, you must have been pretty stoked with 2820. Oh, I was blown away by it. Like, I think that's one of the times where we talk about 
you know, like 333, I'd walk away and be happy. 28, 20, that's far beyond what I thought I'd ever run. Honestly, like getting in the 28s was for me huge. And then to go down to 28, 20 and, you know, Brett Robinson's only just out kicking you with a, with a K to go. It's, um, it was pretty, pretty surreal to do that on home turf. So yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, especially for a big boy like myself. Yeah, for sure, man. And like, <laughs> I, saw, I saw this track session you did, uh, just for those listening, obviously, who uh, you did it before, I think maybe in Europe or before you left for Europe, it was four sets of 800, 300, um, you know, so four sets of that. Uh, and, you know, you started in 27 for the eights and ended in 158 and you started in 44 for the 300s and ended in 41s. And, I mean, it's pretty, it's a pretty intense, sweet, you know, track session. And obviously you've got both sides there. you got a 10K and 2820 and, you know, and, and really nice track sessions too but how do they work together i mean are you doing intense track work like that in this you know in say six eight week lead up to you know track running and then in winter you know you're not probably not doing that in the middle of winter like how does how does that structure work yes i definitely wouldn't be doing that that type of session in the middle of winter um but i do yeah i probably do that stuff that kind of stuff once I start track work, there'll be those type of workouts in there. So that could be, say, January, and then you're doing that stuff all the way through to July type of thing. But then you also have, I guess, breakdown bits where it's like I might go into a bit more. I might finish the Aussie domestic season. They might go into a bit more of a winter block and then bring that stuff back in. So it might be like six to eight weeks, maybe two six to eight-week intervals where I'm hitting those type of sessions. But, yeah, that's a lot more specific i guess to to racing and then awesome let's um just quickly before i get on to some training stuff you came out to you've been out to Lenoir a few times i think that's where i met you the first time when we were out at out in the outback in western australia and um you came out again this year i, I missed you this year but you came out and you came second i think to cam myers how was how's the experience man how was how was racing cam and um coming back out to Lenoir? Yeah, geez, I reckon I'm I reckon I put the record nearly for the person that's been out the most to Leonora. I'm definitely the most seconds there. Um, but yeah, it's it's an awesome it's an awesome race. And once again, like it's that's been huge in giving me opportunities to travel overseas, like the prize money there. And it's basically can help set you up with your flights overseas, which is which is really difficult. Um, but yeah, once again, like the each year it just seems to keep getting better. Like I feel like I'm improving each year and then the athlete that that's there just keeps getting better. And cams, cams like something we've never seen before. Um, spoken to a few people about him, but just as for his age and the way he races and the way he speaks, I'm very, I'm really impressed by him. He doesn't seem like anything phases him. He, races so confidently for such a young guy that's only really got into that level of racing this year and i wasn't surprised i honestly wasn't surprised when he ran 333 like i was just waiting for him to do something like that because mentally like he's obviously got the physical aspect but he's also got that mental aspect as well which blows me away for someone so young and which is exciting for the future of our our sport which is already pumping so much but to have someone like cam at that age who's the greatest ever for that that age group it's yeah it's exciting for australian athletics 
Yeah, man. A fit, a fit Ollie Hobbs, Stu, Stu and um Cam Myers all, all in the one race would be pretty mouthwatering, wouldn't it? Um Yeah. Yeah, man, I have a vague memory. Uh you have to correct me on when it was, but maybe a few years back when um you were sick and you had a clot uh and it, you ended up with a paralyzed arm from the clot. I just what happened? When was it? And you know, um, is all that obviously ancient history now? Yeah, so that was when was that? 2021. So I basically I'd had like a really hard couple of years in terms of my running. I'd have stress fracture in my back that didn't heal. Basically had a year off and then never got myself into shape so quick. Like I started training in November or December that year. And this is after a year off and I ended up making the national final and running 339. That was like four months of training, no preseason. And I was like, oh, we're on here. I'm fit. And then I started getting these really bad headaches just randomly. So bad that I was working one day and it was like my brain just completely shut off. And I called an ambulance and they took me to hospital. And um, basically, long story short, the headache was so bad I had to leave because they couldn't admit me. And um, so I went home. They basically, they thought it was just a sickness. So they said, go and take a over-the-counter sleeping tablet. Took that, woke up. And then because I got fit so quick and actually it was twenty, it was 2020 because I'd got fit so quick. Oh, no, 2021, yeah. Because I got fit so quickly, I was like, oh, I could be an outside chance for the Olympics here. You only get this opportunity once. You don't know when you're going to get that opportunity again. So I kept trying, you know, wake up from a headache like that, go out. 20k long run like stupid now looking back but i didn't think i had a clot in my brain um and then at the time because i was doing a training block in melbourne i came back to tassie and i was basically out on a run one day with a mate and we're running along and all of a sudden i felt this like it was something shoot up my body I was like, that was a weird feeling anyway we're jogging along down the road and all of a sudden my arm just starts going a bit funny and then we got at the lights and i looked down and he's like, oh, you're good. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to stop for a bit more. And he was close to home. So he he ran off. And then all of a sudden he's jogging off. And I'm like, not thinking. I look down at my arm and my arm's fully like paralyzed. Like my fingers were not moving. And then I was like, oh, do I have, it was quite cold. I was like, am I like is it like frostbite or something? Anyway, um, I was close to a doctor's surgery. So I ran in there and that led to me going to a hospital and, and scanning my brain and pretty much the whole left side of my brain was um, clotted. So I was very lucky. Like it's, it's a condition that's very rare and affects like a few in a million people and kills quite a few people as well that get it. So considering I was doing huge workouts, the way I was training, I was very, very lucky to survive that. But the um, positive thing about it was clotting clotting is pretty easy to resolve. So they basically got me on blood thinning medication and that dissolved the clot. And then I've got to be on that for the rest of my life now, which hasn't had an impact on me really at all. It's been, been really fine and I'm confident with that medication. I'm not going to clot. So it gives you a lot of assurance that yeah. you're not going to have an issue again down the track. So my mum's my mum's had a history with clotting, so they think it could be something hereditary, but gotcha. never really could say exactly what it was. Oh man, that sounds pretty pretty hairy. Hey, um, I'm glad you're on top of that, and that you you know all set. 
Yeah, thanks, Sammy. Yeah, it was um interesting, like when you're young and stuff like that. But I guess if it's your head or your heart areas like that, you're best to do everything to get it to get it checked out. Mate, I saw a Facebook post, I think, and you're saying, um, you know, you're really gonna devote yourself the next year to having a crack at the Olympics, right? Just so you have no regrets and um, you know, just do your best and just train your ass off and all that. And you know, 20, 25k days and one day off a week. And you know, how how have you structured your life over the next kind of 10, 11 months in order to to do this and also get the um, enough rest needed to to be your best and also pay the bills and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I mean, probably in terms of structuring my life, like I feel like over the years I've developed a bit of a training system that works for me. That's like Monday to Saturday, I have Sundays off as a rest day. Um, And then in terms of outside of that, I've got a pretty cushy job, which I set up. So um, it's not the job you'd want to be doing at my age, but I'm just like, I'm working on the phone for Telstra. I do that 30 hours a week, but basically means I can lay on my back all day, take calls, running my lunch break if needed. Um, So it's, it's pretty much the perfect job for me right now to to be able to, you know, not live pretty stress-free. I see it as you're pretty much like a full time, like it's not like a normal job where I'm, physically taxed or anything from it so that's been that's been a massive help and then getting some sponsors on board and stuff like that so I feel like I've set up my life in a way where it's running's not really stopping me from doing stuff outside of outside of that and everything but um yeah I guess it's just nice I'm just going to keep keep working hard I keep finding ways to step it up and keep um keep finding habits in your life to to lift that level to the next next part because you know, I'm a big believer that you do the work, find ways to work harder and um, the results the results come. So just keep finding ways to step up little bit by little bit. You mentioned a few sponsors have got behind you. Who who uh, who are they? So I've got By the um, way, this is McGrath. not a plug. I'm not we're not we are not being paid. Yeah, yeah. For me to ask that question, I legit don't know. I presume it's ASIC yeah. with Team Tempo and you've got an ASIC shirt on right now looking at you, but um, yeah. I have no clue who the others are. Yeah, so I initially got McGrath, like McGrath locally, come on board. So that, that's like the Tasmanian group of McGrath. Um, so they've been they've been awesome. Um, also got Exceed Engineering, so like a local engineering company. So that came out of me putting a social media post out and the director of that company basically messaged me and said, you know, he was happy to help out. And, um, you know, we worked out a plan where I put them on my singlet and that's the deal we have. And then also pretty cool. I got a car company, the local, local car. So I get a, get a free car. Um, oh, do you actually get a car? Like, I don't like, I get oh. it. I don't get it given to me, but I get oh. like a car that I can drive for, 12 months oh, um, so puts a bit well, more pressure on running well when you got a nice <laughs> you, you should ask if you make the olympics you get it actually get given a car oh no that would be right <laughs> um but yeah so you got those and then obviously asics and team tempo so last before that i had no sponsors so that all happened that's all happened within the last 12 months to have all of those come on board so um that's that's really cool i mean i've been 
as an athlete, I've, I've reached out a lot of times and I've been rejected by companies and, and stuff. So it's nice to have people that actually support you. But if anyone's listening to this, um, I recommend you just keep going after those sponsors as well because there are people out there that will get behind your story and your, and your dreams if you knock on enough doors. So um, don't be scared because the only thing they can say is no, that's the worst thing they can say. So Yeah, 100%. Persistence pays, hey. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, and so, um, yeah, I was just gonna say, like, it's it's a big thing with athletics. Like, I mean, in track, we can't promote brands with our singlets, really, but roads you can. So it's another thing as well, finding ways you can provide provide value with your whether it's your road singlet or social media and stuff like that. There's definitely other ways you can do it too. Yeah, I mean, I guess um. Yeah, the club level, I guess, uh, racing kind of diamond leagues and stuff, you're allowed to run in, you know, your sponsor's kit and all that sort of stuff. It just, I guess it depends, doesn't it? But it would be kind of cool to just be able to wear your sponsorship sponsor kit at um, any race you wanted, wouldn't it? Oh, definitely. Like, it opens so much more, so many more opportunities up for for making money and, and stuff yeah. like that. But I guess you can't, when you realise you can do that in road races and stuff, you can't really... I think for years I made that an excuse that I couldn't get sponsors. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, your co- coaching wise, like routine tempo, I'm I'm assuming Adam um is just is your coach. No. So um so I'm like so how team tempo works. So I'm part of the group. Um, I'm sponsored by them, but I still I'm still independent in terms of my coaching. Gotcha. With that, so Adam's there. He's there to provide support if I need it, and then um, anything, anything like that. Like I know he's always there for me, but yeah, I still, I'm still independent in terms of my coaching and and coaching myself. But it was, it was awesome. Like going overseas, me and Maddie Clark stayed together, and having that aspect of feeling like I'm a part of a team is huge. Because I guess when I'm in Tassie, it's like I'm very isolated from anything like that. Any you know, like I've got great guys around me that help me, but I'm not part of any group. I'm independent. I'm doing my own thing. I don't have any structure to to pull into or anything like that. So being a part of that while I'm overseas and in the group and going to races and feeling like that's really, really cool with the ASICs and team tempo side of it. Man, awesome. Hey, when we were on a run um, years ago together, uh, you mentioned that you, you love doing just swimming twice a week. Because you reckon it gets you kind of a bit fitter than uh, you know when you don't do your swimming, you struggle, you know, your fitness goes backwards. Are you yeah. still are you still kind of um, doing that? Yeah, still still sussing three times a week. Three um, times, and, and I can tell your shoulders. Yeah, now. you're like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny you say that because I've had to like I've changed the way I do it a little bit, but I don't know if it's helped. I don't know if it's helped at all because I feel like I'm getting bigger. I don't know how, um, but. I do what I call dead man paddle now. So it's basically running with my head underwater. I look like an absolute idiot and it's embarrassing, but, um, you know, oh, I love it. I feel like, I feel like it, I feel like it helps me, um, something about the breathing and swimming. And then you also get 30 minutes of, I feel amazing after I go for a swim. It's almost like it resets me every time I, those three days. So yeah, I pretty much do 30 minutes of this dead man paddle. Um, and, yeah, get that done. I used to swim, but then I was I realized it was just making my back and everything 
super muscly and I'm guess like being specific with your training such an important thing so I was like how do I swim but keep it specific which is dead man paddle um dead man paddle just let's further on it it's is it water running with your head dunking underwater? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So, so why, why aren't you just water running, like with your head up above the water? Because I find, I find it's the breathing that I get the biggest benefit from. And I think I was speaking to someone about it. They're like, oh, I guess in terms of like the research and stuff, like, um, I'm someone that's very intuitive. So I like to find some of this stuff out for myself, whether it's science, you know, in terms of like science backs and stuff like that, like, not that I don't believe in that stuff, but it's like sometimes I'm like, well, even if I mentally believe in it, I'm like, well, I should keep doing it. But it's, I find, because I, because I'm pretty much, I'm doing it underwater. So when I used to swim, I used to take a breath every like 16 to 18 strokes. So I've got to a stage and I found what the big thing is for me in terms of the performance enhancement is when you get to the end of the race, you start to stress out and basically your body starts breathing super quickly but it doesn't need to. It's doing that as like a, I guess, a defense mechanism to try to get oxygen into your body, but your body's so inefficient at put it, bringing oxygen in it anyway. So breathing more actually is negative because you start getting more stressed and your brain starts getting fatigued and everything just starts falling apart. Whereas I found when I started swimming, I could get to that stage where I had a lot more breath control. So towards the end of the race, what I find is I can, slow my breathing down and then slowing my breathing down helps me to relax more. And that's why I think it's, it's huge in helping my performance awesome. with that stuff. Um, yeah, that's cool. And, so, yeah, and this is happening three, three times a week. Um, and like, how long do the sessions kind of go for? I do 30 minutes. 30 minutes. So, so it'll be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, my swim days. So I usually do it. I usually work like 11 till seven. So, finish work, pool closes at 7.45, got to get there, pretty much drive straight there, get in the pool for half an hour. And then I'll gym as well in the evening, run in the morning. So that's kind of how. Love it. I love it. So, um, um, Jimmy, it's been awesome chatting, man. I like, um, I've, that's kind of got to my list of the stuff I really wanted to talk about. Is there anything we've major that we've missed or is it all, all pretty much there? Yeah. No, nah, I think that's, yeah. You're doing big mileage, hey, 20 to 25K days. I presume you're up near like 120, 130K weeks. Yeah, so I was um, – I hit – my biggest week I hit was 150. I'm probably like on average about 120 to 130. So um, so that's like – that's been about, you know, the, the standard kind of thing. And, yeah, I had a bit of a break from coming back from Europe now. So – Time just like to reflect and just to get ready for some new stuff. Like I have been dabbling with dabbling with some double threshold stuff. Oh, um, different I, different I, things like that. So I reckon let's jump into that. Let's jump into that. Just um one one sec. Jimmy, I was gonna I was gonna wrap things up, but we need to talk about this double threshold stuff. Um it's pretty cool. I mean, everyone's obsessed about it, you know. I have a mate, he's like in his um 50s and he, he's training for the master stuff and um he went out and did a double threshold the other day just to just to say he did it you know and i think he's pretty much got a stress fracture so um but let's, <laughs> let's talk about you the yeah how how has your training changed um you know with all this stuff um 
so yeah, it's definitely it's definitely the height word, the big height height word and the height way to train at the moment. But um, yeah, I just um basically spoke with a mate and we're like, let's let's give this a go because to me, it just makes it makes so much sense that if you can get it's the same as doing more volume in terms of if you can increase your volume of training if it's at a slow speed that's going to get you better so if you can increase the volume of training you're doing at your threshold and your body's able to do that to me that makes sense that it's going to improve your threshold when thresholds obviously such a big aspect of endurance performance like it's huge it's you know so high, highly weighted to aerobic strength compared to um anaerobic strength especially the higher you go 5k i think it's like 90 percent type of thing um so to me that just like made so much sense so in terms of bringing into my training i'm just at the start i'm guess i'm just experimenting with it so um doing it like i before leading up to lonnie 10 so i did run a peak like i ran my big pb off it i was doing once a week i'd do the double thresholds it looks something like 20 by 400 in the morning off 30 seconds recovery. And then in the evening, it'd be something like five by five minutes at um, maybe like three, 310 to 320 K pace. And then the 400s, the 400s are like probably like 67 to 68. You've got to be, because I don't have like a lactate lactate machine, you've got to be obviously careful because the best thing to do is to be a little bit under than to actually go over. Cause as soon as you're over, you're not, getting the actual threshold training in um so i just like to i feel like listening to my body making sure i'm not getting any tingles in my hands different things like that is a really good way to do it at the start when i first started doing it um i was actually surprised i was actually surprised by how well i pulled up because i'm somebody i do a run in the morning and whether it's like the intensity of my sessions or what it is like even threshold sessions usually if i do a threshold in the morning say like 20, 30 minutes straight, I pull up and I'm rubbish. But I think with the double threshold, because you're not doing it in one hit and you're actually pulling yourself back a little bit, you, you pull up quite well from it. So um, I did about four weeks of it leading in. Didn't do it while I was overseas or anything like that. Four weeks and, leading into burning pen or four weeks leading into the year? Uh, four weeks. So it was about... It was about four weeks. It was leading into Lonnie Tan. Well, Lonnie, not Tan. Burnley, I meant to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I actually did run the tan and I ran absolutely shocking. <laughs> I was like, all right, maybe this stuff is not working for me at all. But then a few weeks later, I came out and I ran really well. So I think, I don't think you're going to get the benefits from four weeks, but definitely i guess for me in my training i'm going to use it as a tool to get better and i guess because i coach myself i'm in a little bit of a position i think it's a lot harder for groups to just go we're going to completely change the way we do things um but because i can navigate a little bit quickly with my training i'm like well this makes sense to me i'm keen to i'm keen to give it a go i don't i think it's going to be a more longer term thing whether i do it once or twice a week still haven't decided how much i'm gonna go into it um but yeah i'm just working that out with my training what my weeks are going to look like and and go go from there so far it. It, you know so far have you just been doing it once a week once a week yep yeah 
Yeah, and so and then the day after it, so let's say for example you do it on a Tuesday, then the Wednesday you obviously you're probably doing an eighty minute, ninety minute run or something. Are you just going very slow and easy on that run, or are you just running to feel? How you know what are you doing to recover? Yeah, so that would just be an easy day. So just the same, I'm like probably sixty minutes in the morning, thirty in the evening, yeah. and then I do I do a long run on a Thursday. So been keeping that long run, and then Saturday was like more of a specific specific track session that I was doing. So it hasn't complete, like, I guess it's, I'm bringing it in more probably for me as a tool that I have there, because sometimes it's really hard to get threshold work in when you're doing a lot of track stuff. So I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to navigate it, whether I'll bring it in more or I think probably early winter, definitely bring it in more because it's less specific. But then as you get to track season, like when I was in Europe and stuff, it'd be very hard when you're racing every week to try and do a double threshold on the Tuesday. I don't know yeah, for sure. how you would do that. And I don't <laughs> don't know how they approach that overseas, whether they keep it going and they still race or or what, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'd be pretty tough to, yeah, wouldn't it, to race on a Saturday and punch out a double threshold on a Tuesday. I don't know if that's kind of ideal, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 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 It gets it gets me excited though. That's it's one thing that's really got me excited. I feel like this year, I, in terms of my training and everything building, um, I couldn't have done anything better. And you look at the year and you go, how do I step up the next year? Yeah. And double threshold, I just feel like it's that tool where it's like if you, if that if that does work the way it has been for the, like the Inga Britsons and everything like that, it um it's going to be, it's that next thing where you go, oh, wow, I've got that next thing I can add into my training and improve and yeah, and build it up from there. So awesome. It's, yeah. um, man, yeah, it's, 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 really really exciting. it's pretty cool. It's fun to, it's fun to talk about it and learn about it too, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, think, well, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say like, like for me, I love the thing with running where it's about, it's almost like you're a, a person in the gym and you're focused, you're, you're trying to build like an engine rather than an outcome in a way. Um, and I, I love that mindset too. And I love that idea with double threshold that it's like, all right, we're building the engine room. Yeah. All of this stuff. Um, exactly. And it's kind yeah. of like, this... and it takes that. Sorry. No, you, I, I was just going to say, it takes that pressure away from just performance all the time, because I feel like if you build a big enough beast, the performance is going to come eventually anyway. It's just, sure. yeah. it's going to be part of, part of that. It's kind of like this challenge to, um, you know, see who can get the most amount of minutes done per week at, at threshold, you know, and to just build that aerobic beast and, um, and not get injured. Right. <laughs> um, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's going to be the key, but I guess the thing with that as well is it's like, I had a, a I've had a hamstring tendonopathy that I've had for quite a period of time. Double threshold for me is a lot less intensity than going out and doing the really hard stuff. So yeah. in some aspects that's been beneficial because I pull up better from that than if I try to do more yeah. intense work. So Awesome, mate. Um, hey, the world champs are on at the moment, um, obviously. And, you know, what did you think were you, about Inga Britson getting out kicked? Were you, you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of anti him at the moment due to the waving he did in the semis. Other people think it was Ovet-like and pretty cool. Um, well, where do you sit on it? Uh, like, I, I love the way. I mean, I don't know how you can be against him because he's yeah. 
for sure. You know, the fact we're, we're talking about double threshold because of I know, that's 100%. the only reason we're talking about. People are people are talking about completely changing their training because of I one know. one I'm, person. When is that? When's that happened? Exactly it's, right. Um, it's like in everyone with Ovet, like you know, back when Ovet used to wave at crowds, people were like, oh, he's cocky, he's arrogant. Everyone thinks he's the freaking man these days. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because there's all these videos of him running down the home straight waving everyone, right? Like, um, I feel like how can we bag out Inga Britson for being a showman? Isn't that what the sport needs? Yeah, and I think, I, I guess he's just brought that. He's changed. He has changed middle distance and long distance running completely. And it's, you know, even the fact that stuff happens, the fact that Josh Kerr winning is such a big deal and Whiteman winning last year was such a big deal. It's only such a big deal because he's been so dominant. So uh, I just, I, I love the way he goes about it. I've, I've always been someone that loves the showman though. I love the person that says they're going to do something and, and goes out and does it and has the confidence to put on the line. I've probably never been someone that actually can say it and do it like that. So people that do that and back it up, I've got, got a lot of respect for. Cause it is, it's a hard, it is a hard sport and it's like, so much goes into it. You know, we all know you don't, some days you just don't feel good and some days it doesn't come together, but yeah, to be yeah. as consistent as what he is, it's, it's crazy really. Yeah. So, but yeah, Kerr's, Kerr's run was oh, yeah. pretty special and, it, and it's, it's exciting when world champs kind of changes that, that right. Like Inga Britson all year when it's paced, it's clean, clean cut. He's going to win oh, but yeah. the yeah. world champs race. I know. Yeah. Man. What were your thoughts on it? Oh, I loved it. I mean, you know, I've got, I mean, everyone always, you know, saying how good Kerr's kick is and blah, blah, blah. But he also, you know, in during winter and um, early winter, Kerr was, you know, doing a few half marathons, a few 10Ks, a few 5Ks, and then he did a few 3Ks on the track as well. So it's like he's been working on that longer side, like a shitload. Mm. Um, and he's a, like, he's a bit like you, you know, like he's aerobic and endurance engine over the last um, six or 10 months has gone like through the roof. And so I think that, yes, he's got speed. Yeah, he's a 145.2 guy, but he also, you know, he only could use that speed because he's so damn fit that he was still there, right, with 80 metres to go and he could utilise that speed. So I think that's maybe some of the time people don't realise how hard he's worked on the endurance. But, um, but yeah, that's my thoughts. <laughs> Probably more long Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. And he... um. If you follow him on social media, he's put some pretty outrageous things out there for a while saying that he's going to be what he is now. And yeah. I respect that too, because it's, 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 I guess it's that thing of putting something out there and actually, actually doing it and having enough belief to do, to do that. Like belief is such a big thing. And I guess athletics is such a, such a mental sport as well. And people that are willing to put it out there, it's, it's pretty huge when they, Oh, I'm a fan, man. When they, yeah, oh, I'm a fan. Yeah. I love Inga Britson, but Kerr, like, man, what a legend! Like, it was awesome to see. So, yeah, yeah. five thousand. But then, but then in, yeah, but then Inga Britson, he didn't know, he didn't know um favors for himself with his press conference talking about his talking about his um. I didn't. I only saw the serious one, so I didn't hear him talk about his illness. But yeah, um, the person just asked a question, but I'm like, you can't really. I feel like you don't. When you're that good, it does yourself no favors when you're saying that stuff. Yeah. I mean, sure. he, the guy, the guy finished in a 53 second last. Like, you can't be feeling that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Leading from the front. 
Oh man. Hey, I love chatting. Uh, like really loved it. And um, we'll have to do it again. Uh, it's been a big 10 months coming up for you, big 12 months. And I just, I really hope that you can have that breakthrough that I know you badly want. I know you, you deserve, and I know that you can, you know, get it done. And I uh, just wish you all the best, mate. Um, and, and I hope to see you at the Olympics and either way, you know, you're an awesome runner and, you know, it's going to be fun watching unfold. No, thanks heaps, Sammy. means a lot. I've always loved catching up with you and love all the work you guys do with Runners Tribe and exciting seeing all the work you're doing with Tarkon and everything as well. So loving seeing you guys grow as well. Thanks a lot, mate. Thanks heaps. Awesome. Cheers, thanks, Sammy. Sammy.